welcome to Hawaii Abroad Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Auntie Max, and today is Aloha Friday. It's a day of the week where you can sit back, relax, and listen as I interview former residents of Hawaii as they share their journey of relocating elsewhere and living abroad. In this episode, I am talking star with Kavena Mann, who's a native Hawaiian, or as we say in Hawaiian, Kanaka Maoli. So Kavena has been living in Japan for several years, and I'm excited to share his story with you. So without further ado, let's talk story. Ui, aloha Kavena, pehea oi. My kai, aloha auntie, how are you doing? My kai, my kai, my kai, no. So before I get into the questions that I have for you, I was wondering if you can um, just introduce yourself first and share a little bit about your journey on how you became now a resident in Japan. Okay, so my name is Anthony Kavena Ula Okala Fukulan Man. I'm Hawaiian Chinese. I was born and raised on Oahu. I grew up in Kahala and all my life I lived on Oahu until about 13 years ago I moved here to Japan. And I moved because um, my wife is Japanese, and my wife also is a student of Kawai Kapu Okalani Hewitt and Kuhai Halao o Kawai Kapu Okalani Paola Pakahiko. And um, moving from Oahu to Japan and that journey, I don't know, in the beginning, I wasn't so scared because I'm moving to a different country. Um, I've traveled a lot to Japan as a hula dancer. Um, I, I'm not sure why it wasn't so scary moving here. It was kind of natural for me, I guess. And since being here in Japan, I am just the same guy from Hawaii doing the normal things every day, but just in a different environment. And um, Japan it has been a very nice place for me. My kai. Yeah. My kai. So um, was you, your decision to relocate away from Hawaii to Japan, was it meant to be permanent or temporary? Actually, when I, when I moved, when I moved, I didn't even think about if it's going to be permanent or temporary, actually. Um, I think my decision to move to Hawaii had to do with my wife's mom. So my, my wife's mom is Roko. Her name is Hiroko. And you know, she's so-so, um, her health is so-so. So it's much better for us to be here to take care of her. So that's what we're doing now. So in the beginning, I didn't know if it's gonna be temporary or permanent, but now 13 years later, I think I really like living here in Japan. If, I don't know, with regards to Hawaii, maybe we just visit sometimes, but I'm not sure if we're ever move back to Hawaii, but it's possible. But for now, it's permanent. We're going to live here in Japan. My kai, wow, 13 years yeah. is a long time. Yeah, the time yeah. goes by fast. Yeah, and in our culture, it's really, really important for us to take care of our kupuna. So you're doing yeah. the right thing, my kai. My mm-hmm. So I, because I know you personally, I know you're perpetuating our culture, our Hawaiian culture. So can you share with us a little bit about, or as much as you want, 
about um, how you perpetuate our traditions, our values, all our culture heritage? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, right now I'm 51 years old and I started hula when I was nine. And when I was nine years old and 10 years old, growing up in Kahala and I'm starting hula, even back then, this is like 40 years ago, in hula, we had, we had, we had performances almost every other day or every week. And back then we didn't use so many fake things. So everything was fresh flowers. So we had a flower, we had a lei for kahiko and a lei for water. So it's every week we're making a new lei. And I'm a, I'm a young, I'm a keiki in Kahala. So, you know, I was in, in like in your beautiful place at Kaava where you can just so much nature, but, but around my neighborhood, had nice gardens. So there was a lawa'e I could use um, in Kahala. I could go to the mountains, whether it be Ainakoa, and they had Lehua, or I could go to Hawaii Kai, where also they had, in the mountains, they had Lehua too. So, or for my Wanale, I'd, I'd go like to Times Kahala, I'd pick Bougainvillea because we had to wear Bougainvillea, Lay or or my home, we had makarins, so we I used to use makarins too for kahikole too. So that experience, like just a child, I mean a young boy, just making lays and hula. That's already two things, hula and lays. Then as I was getting older, um, in my high school years, I I started to like music, or I like to play my ukulele too. And this is where I I, I met your cousin or your nephew mark martinez cousin yeah yeah your cousin and and mark martinez is such an interesting person for me you know i i'm like i think right now um maybe my i think my level is high my understanding but when i was in high school my god i i didn't really know so many things although i've been dancing for a long time since a cakey since the cakey time. But when I got to high school, I was already dancing for like five years. But when I met Mark, Mark was so talented and gifted person. And he liked music and he could sing and he could sew too. And, and I didn't know nothing about Kabai Kapukalani Hewen. I barely even knew his name, but, but Mark introduced me to a few of his songs. So, when one year, I think it was our junior year, this is in 1988, we had a talent competition. So we sang Lai Kavai. Oh, okay. And Mark sewed our dancer's dress. And our dancer's a very big girl. I was like, wow, Mark, my God, you sewed the dress. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice experience just being around Mark, I think. So now, after so high school, now I have lay making, hula, and music. And then I think in high school, and then little after high school, I started getting more into crafts. And after high school, I was with Kumuchinki. And Kumuchinki's musician is Auntie Hanai. Do you know Auntie Hanai? Yes. Yes, I know oh, of her, not personally, is, but of her. Yeah, Auntie Hanai is like, well, truly was a master crafter. And, and I think when I think about like a master crafter, I mean, you, you have people that can be, are able to do the things, but Auntie, you know, had some kind of connection to the past. So everything has to be very, very 
like perfect. And you know, you, when she started, you have to finish it. So, but Auntie, I learned a lot of things from her. So, like Pahu, Pahu drum making and um, other craft things like uli uli making or lay making too. So now at this point, like I'm high school and after high school, I can do craft. I'm, I'm interested in crafts too. So I have all these kinds of background things that, or things that I've learned so in me. So at this point, whether I be on Oahu or here in Japan, I'm just basically doing the same things that um, I've learned from my teachers. But I've also learned a lot of crafts, craft things too from Kumuchinki, Al Makinubakarsi, Keola Lake, as well as um, Kawai Kapuhiwe. So those craft things are um, like mm, treasures, I guess, for me. And like one of the craft things that I, I treasure deeply that I learned from Kawai Kapu is how to make a puili. So, okay. yeah. You guys got so, bamboo on that side? Uh, we have bamboo, but I don't use the bamboo from here. I would use the bamboo from Oahu. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, but I think um, perpetuating the thing too is also not, you want to share it, but you don't want to make it so spread out too because, you know, people value it. And then there's people that, I'm, they don't really they don't really think about the value of that ike or that knowledge so there's some of that that I have to do too so but in general I try to share everything so if somebody asks me of course I'm going to share that knowledge or but but in the back of my heart I have to be very careful sometimes too that you know this is something very special and that's so that's purple I think that's perpetuating too i mean we want to give a lot and share a lot but yes. we also have to try to take care of it too and maybe it's it's not, i don't think it's a selfish thing it's just a it's like taking care of that value of that knowledge i think I, yeah my kai my kai i know with um kumu kawai kapu um he shares with us that it's important that yes we learn our culture, our heritage, and we do share it. Once we get to a point, we share it. Yeah, and we start to teach. And I know you're teaching. So um, mm -hmm. could you share a little bit about how, what kind of teaching you're doing with our heritage? Yeah. Um, I think right now, I think my style of teaching is, I think if I think about my, first of all, my philosophy of teaching, I think it's very Ohana-ish, very family-ish. Um, I have a I have a background with Kumuchinki, and Kumuchinki is very much Ohana too, but it's very strong competition too. And my focus is really not competition at all. I think my my focus is really trying to take care of my students and try to bring them up, try to make a nice foundation, and try to bring them up, uh, make them grow in trying to understand our culture without being so like this is how it is but trying to be a good example for them. So trying to be a good example in my teaching would be trying to look at the Hawaiian values of aloha, malama, pono, 
and lokahi, and then try to in your teaching, in how you talk, how you just in your words, you like Auntie Mary, for example. Man, you can I can just imagine Auntie Mary's teaching is always filled with a lot of love. So she doesn't have to say aloha is no yes. no no. Aloha is in what how I'm doing it, how am I talking to you, how um I look at you. So I think that's that's kind of like how the philosophy of what I teach and how I teach too. So so I I teach awana, kahiko, lay making crafts here in Japan and anything, of course, chanting, oli. My kai. But, yes. but teaching too is being a kumuhula or teacher. I, I really know that it's like 24 hour job to be very honest, because, you know, we have a class time, but we have after class time. And then I have my home time where I'm thinking about what to do next, trying to stay ahead of everybody and try to have a good plan for everybody, trying to look at where it's not going well and try to see how I can make it better. So being a teacher is, you know, not just about just beautiful costumes and lays and what dance. So there's so many other things behind too. Yes, very much. It's a way of life. It's not something that you yeah. just clock in and clock out. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's a it's a way of life. Pretty much the yeah, way it you is. you are you how you are and what you teach and what you share and and you mentoring other people. So yeah. It's it's a way of life. Yeah. So my kai, my kai. And I think I think the word right people you're going to hear kuleana right. And kuleana is like oh we're kind of a, yeah you understand it's responsibility, but yeah it's kuleana way of life. It's more of like that lifestyle way of life. And of course it's of course it's kuleana, but but you know you it's like. Um, your teachers took so much time to give you and share with you and take care of you. So it's like appreciation too. So it's a love and appreciation and trying to give back and trying to be a good, still I'm trying to be a good student for my, my teachers. So my work, if it's good, then they're happy. But if my work is not so good, then it, it's not good for my teachers when they look back at what you're doing, so. Yes, we need to honor our the legacy that was passed on to us. Yeah. Maikai, mm -hmm. good for you. And good for your students. I'm sure they're getting some rich mm -hmm. and valuable ike from you. So mahalo. Mahalo. So I know you're uh you're running, you're helping your your wife to run a halao, or you guys are running a mm -hmm. halao. So can you share a little bit about that? What's the name? And yeah, things about Okay. That. So my wife has her own halal and my wife is Erisa and her her halal name is Ku Hai Halal Okapua Naupaka Paolapakahiko. So Naupaka's name is in there. But my own halal name is Anapanapa Vai Opuolena. And this name um I used to work with Frank Kawai Kapuhiwit too. Kumu. I used to work with him in Waimanalo. Okay. And when I was working with him, an opportunity came up to teach at a high school, Lutheran high school. So Lutheran high school, the story is um, Auntie Snooky's brother, Ina, yes. was teaching there. 
But Ina was like, I guess, was finishing teaching at that Lutheran high school near UH Manoa. So he thought of me to teach, to continue to teach them. So I said, oh yeah, I wanna teach on it, of course. And this is back in 2001. So then I, then I asked, oh cool, can I have a name for my halal? And this is the name he gave me. So Anapanapa is like shimmering or glittering. And Puolena is a, a water area. I think it's, what do they call it? Brackish water area. But anyway, when you enter Heia, and you soon you go down the hill, and sometimes our for our hoikes with Kumu, we used to have our blessings down there, and at that area is Puolena, and there's a legend too about that area of uh, Homea and uh, how the how turns a certain color, and Homea you can see her, yeah, but that he gave me a name. My halal name. That's yeah. the entrance to Urumau, yeah? And then you walk down. Yes, yes, know, yes. To Kakai. Oh, yes, we yeah. used to go over there and do our blessings all the time with him. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I think, but for me, for that name, I think it's like, it really touches my, my heart because, of course, the blessings. But, you know, Kumu talks, he used to talk about stories about his kupuna bones. Evie would come up wash up and you would have to take them more deeper in so that place is not just about the beautiful water but it's about his homeland his family connection to that area so you know that's another I think another kuleana for me too to just think about really where the name is coming from and what my connection and my halau is so my kai, my kai. Mm -hmm. so you got, um, can I ask about how much how mana you have? Um, my halal is not so big. I think, I don't know how many students I have. I think I have like 40 students, maybe. That's big. 40 or 50 students. That's big. <laughs> well, in Japan, I think some halals are like 100, 200. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, but for me, I like... I, I think my, my halal size is really nice size because I know everybody's name. I teach all my classes and I'm able to take care of them. So if we need a hair accessory or a lay, I'm able to take care of it. So it's, it's perfect for me. Yeah. And they get yeah. more personal touch from the Kumu. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause there's, there's a lot of interest. Yeah in our culture there in mm -hmm. Japan. So mm -hmm. a lot of people that want to take our, our um, you know, do hula and uh, learn our culture ways. So my mm -hmm. Okay, so now I wanted to see if you can share with us a little bit about being a Kanaka living abroad and sharing a little bit comparison about between Hawaii and being in Japan. Okay. So when I first moved here, uh, what, 13, 14 years ago, of course, yeah, I don't know nothing, but, but, not, um, but when I moved here, there's some Hawaiian restaurants here, yeah. like doing like Hawaiian, trying to do Hawaiian food, like mochiko chicken, spam musubi, lokomoko, I don't know. Nice. Um, my friends are doing Hawaiian food. 
So, so there's the food, right? But I'm like, okay, but I don't know how, I didn't know the level and how much love Japanese people really like those things. But when you're just a local boy, we have that every day. It's like, oh, okay, so, so what? But, but that's anyway, nowadays, so what is kind of big. What I understand and what I see, Japanese people really love Hawaii, not just hula, but they love the food. Of course, they love the culture and craft making and things and lay making. So anyway, so living here in Japan, um, I am kind of around, I'm around, I live near the ocean and they're paddling in the ocean in a canoe. And I live, where I live, there's a, like several Hawaiian restaurants. We have a, what is that? Uh, Kuaina. <laughs> we wow. have a Kuaina burger place here. We have a L&L and I play music at the L&L sometimes. Uh, we have um, like a Aloha table. This is all around where I live. So it feels like a little bit Hawaii. I'm around Hawaii a little bit. And, and I'm always around, I have our, we have our own hula students, but there's a lot of other hula groups too. So I'm kind of around hula people around here in my area too. So, so living, being a, a Hawaiian boy living here, it's, it's I, I'm just in Japan, but I feel like I'm just the same kind of person, just in a different location. So, but, and people, they know, I think when I walk, when I'm walking around my home area, people know that I'm from Hawaii. So they, they kind of like are happy or they tell me aloha or uh, mahalo. They tell me mahalo too. Some of the Japanese people, some of my friends around my area. And it's kind of nice, actually. So I kind of feel kind of at home here in Japan too. Wow, my kai. So it sounds like they embrace our culture and, you know, you being from Hawaii, they embrace you. So, so mm -hmm. that's awesome. That's awesome. Because I've spoken to some, some, uh, some that lives in different places of the, of the continent. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's not quite as um, engaging the way your experiences as theirs. Mm. Sometimes it can be challenging, especially with, you know, sometimes our dialect, the way that we talk, people don't understand, you know, or just mm -hmm. the color of our skin get treated different. So, so it's nice to hear, it's refreshing to hear how someone can get embraced when they live somewhere else abroad. Yeah, that's okay. true. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so how about we talk a little bit more about Hawaii as you was growing up in Hawaii. So maybe you can share, I know you've been sharing some of our, some of your memories here as you was growing, but is there any more fond memories that you would like to share about growing up yeah. here in Hawaii? Mm -hmm. So I think when I think about my own personal life experience, I think I was, I had the best of two worlds because I already mentioned I grew up in Kahala and Kahala is like, it's not Ka'ava. <laughs> it's so different. It's, mm -hmm. You know, we have all the rich people there. Of course, my family is not rich. My dad worked really, really hard and he saved his money and we could buy a home in Kahala. But when I talk about the best of two worlds, my life experience, I also was a little bit raised in Waianae too, because we have family in Waianae. And Earlier, you mentioned that you had a home in Pokai Bay. 
so when we're when we we're a keiki growing up in Waianae, we used to go to Pokai Bay, put out the mat. I mean, we're swimming at night. We swim at night and we shower and we sleep right on the tarp underneath the stars. Nowadays, you cannot do that. Nope. Probably, seriously, you'd probably end up the next morning. But yeah. back then, you know, we just, I mean, if you, if you drive at Pokai Bay late at night, it's really dangerous. But we, I remember we had some memories of the, those kinds of memories too. But why not the, the livelihood in Waianae with our family was really Hawaiian. Uh, my uncles were fishermen, so they catch fish in the daytime. And we're talking a huge family, like 10 uncles and 10 aunties. So, but my family, um, they always had money too, because they're construction people. They worked at Hawaiian Jirjin. So this family was never without anything. So we always had, they always had a big five gallon bucket of poi in the refrigerator. Oh. So most nice. nights was poi and fish and poi. And the poi was always in a one bowl and everybody's kahi from that one, one bowl. And, you know, for me, I didn't get that kind of experience in Kahala at all. So, but living with, um, our family really, really in a Hawaiian way, um, really kind of shaped who I am today because the the family, when you say Ohana, it's Ohana. It's not like Ohana, this is my Ohana, something very light or something. Of course it's not light, but but in Waianae, that that meaning of Ohana is like, wow. I mean, we clean the yard together. We go to the beach together. Of course, we're camping together. And our camping all, all up and down Waianae Coast, whether it be Keaos or Yokohamas or Rust Camp. And, you know, the camping too, you know, go there early, clean up everything, set up the tents, stay there for a month, break down, clean up everything. Oh, we used to, we used to camp at um, the Hawaiian Pier too, Boat Harbor. Okay. Because my uncle and them were in construction. So when they're building it, this is before all the boats. It was just when just piers. So we used to be there like a month or two. So we'd be jumping off of the pier and all, all these kinds of fun things. So I think that memory of, I mean, having culture knowledge and having that Hawaiian live, livelihood experience too was um indelible I guess in my mind and in, in my life experience I think wow that's a that's beautiful memories I'm so glad you were able mm -hmm. to experience that and you know sometimes I feel I feel bad for our kikis now because it's so different and um their experience if they did what we used to do is totally different and and now they get a lot of, you know, they get entertained with their little devices right all the time. I don't yeah. need go all the time. I, I just can be here on my devices kind of thing. But yeah, it was special because yeah, I have similar memories like that, you know, always going to the beach, always being with the Ohana, doing things together, um, working out in the hot sun in the yard, <laughs> but going yeah. to the beach after, you know? <laughs> so Well, okay. you know, back then too, like also still from Waianae, you know, when we did the luau and we did like um, squid luau, 
it's grating coconuts. It's not opening up cans. Right? So, I mean, and a lot of coconuts. And of course, like, there's only one person grating as my uncle, but we were watching that yeah. whole experience. Like, okay, he's grating coconuts. But then a little bit later on in your life, you go, wow, that was something important, you yeah, know? Because, yeah. you know, and we, we all know that like, our squid luau is like, really like maybe the best everybody thinks the squid is the best but our family is that's how we they used to do it so yeah. oh by going back to your point about the technology and the kids um having i guess a different ex- life experiences i think technology right now as it is we can't get away from it so it's just what what we can do to put in that culture experiences for our kids so yeah so whether so that's a kind of fun part a challenging part too like you said if you're going to talk to your mo'opono about in hawaiian or do some kind of hula for them but it's just it doesn't for me too teaching too it doesn't have to be a lot it just has to be a little and that little you just take care of it and and that little will grow so that's yeah. kind of my philosophy. My kai, my kai. That sounds exactly like kumukawai kapo. Little bit. <laughs> got the seed. You just got to keep on watering them with the knowledge. Yeah? <laughs> little bit here and there. And eventually it's going to grow. And then when that when it grows, it'll share that knowledge somewhere else. So my kai, my kai. I love your philosophy. <laughs> Okay, so next question. Um, I'm just curious about the career opportunities that is there in Japan. So I, I know you shared with us about what you've been doing about teaching, um, sharing our culture, pretty much that's your, your operation, what you're doing. But if we have um, you know, some Kanakas that decided that maybe I wanna venture over there and relocate, um, how's that, um, opportunities or career opportunities, what kind of things that you think they might face if they decided to relocate there and if they can actually have a career up, any career opportunities there? Mm-hmm. Well, as far as career opportunities, there's several. There's cultural things you can do, whether it be playing music or trying to teach something about Hawaiian culture, Hawaiian stories, mo'olelo, of course, hula, music crafting those opportunities are always there and if that would if that's something that the people like they can actually try to get a niche into it then other opportunities would be like teaching english that's a basic one Mm. so a lot of our kanaka is very good at english too not everybody is just speaking pigeon like you and i (laughs) right some hawaiians (laughs) is very good at english man so and there's a big need for english here um i have a i have a master's in social work degree and i have an accounting degree too and i never tried to get a job with any of those but i always thought that maybe my social work degree i might be able to get a job here too i don't know about it but you know there's military bases here so you could always try to get a job with a military base, possibly. And maybe if I tried, I could possibly get a job in a social work or counseling capacity on a military base, I thought. Okay. Um, 
So there are, there, are, there are opportunities, for example, if you don't speak English, I mean, if you don't speak Japanese, but in general, you need Japanese if you wanted to get like some kind of simple job, whether it be at a restaurant or a convenience store, you need kind of a good foundation of Japanese. That totally makes sense, especially since that's mm -hmm. their, their um, main language in Japan is Japanese. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But but just saying about just talking about Japanese and I think about it now. I think Hawaiian people are so smart too, because we're good at listening and we're good at memory. So I really think Hawaiians could learn Japanese quite easily, to be very honest. I mean, it would take us several years, but I think they could be up and running in a matter of one or two years in learning in knowing Japanese. And if they're really dedicated, they could really get a good hand on knowing Japanese in about three or four years. Okay. Yeah. To offer some hope for our people that want to come to Japan. Well, yeah. just my opinion, when um, a person is placed in an atmosphere that, you know, have that basic language and you don't know it, mm. but you got to eventually learn it, you just get immersed in it and you pick it up. I mean, I've had family members that speak only English and then they go to Samoa and within a year or within a few months they come back and they can speak fluent Samoan you know because they're immersed in it and we even mm -hmm. have our keikis you know unfortunately here in Hawaii we all speak only English or pidgin and then you got to go to school to learn how to speak Hawaiian but you know when you mm -hmm. look at our keiki and you put them in Hawaiian immersion they pick up quick. In fact, my son was one of those recipients that, you know, was in Hawaiian language, well, it was in Hawaiian immersion. So <clears throat> they pick up quick. And sometimes when I speak to him, he's like, mom, come on. It's not like that. <laughs> like, what incorrect me, you know? But when you're really immersed in that, you pick it up. So I would think mm -hmm. that's the same thing like in Japan, you know, mm -hmm. they would eventually immerse, be immersed in it and pick it up. So my kai, my kai. So it took mm -hmm. you uh, a while to be immersed in the the Japanese language. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it did, and I I love to learn too. So I, I I study a lot and try to study every day and try to get better and better at it. Mm -hmm. So when you mm -hmm. teach your haumana, you use English or Jap Japanese? <laughs> English and Japanese. Oh, okay. <laughs> But I try to use Japanese. Like teaching is not so bad. Teaching is easy, right? Go right, go left, go forward. Bend okay. your knees, right? So to say those things in Japanese is really easy. But to tell the mo'olelo, the stories in Japanese, yes, it's then you're gonna get a a very pigeon-like Japanese version of that story. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> which is okay with me. But I don't know if they understand it. But that's what you're gonna get. Honestly, that's how pigeon, pigeon Japanese. That's how pigeon was born, right? All the different ethnicities all trying to communicate. So pretty much that's how it was born in Hawaii. Yeah. So so yeah, if it works, but, it works. <laughs> but you know, I guess that you know when when people talk about colonization, right? Mm. You have all this pressure trying to like you have academic pressure like standards so i have that in the back of my head like I try to talk good english Kavena, or even if it's japanese try to talk good japanese <laughs> but man 
I'm just a Hawaiian boy, man. Right? It's like, but you know, you have all this internal conflict. It's like, man, it's difficult. But yeah. you know, you again, like you Kumo, so you forgive yourself, you try to be patient and you know, don't be so hard on yourself and do your best. Yep, yep. My kai, my kai. Okay, Kovena, I know we've been talking a long time and I really, really appreciate you spending time with me today. But um, as we wrap up, I was just wondering if you wanted to share with us, do you have any message that you would like to share with any of our listeners, especially our people back at home, any kind of message that you want to share of anything, whatever you want? Okay, so first of all, I'd like to say thank you for this opportunity to talk about my story about living here in Japan and just being a local boy and Hawaiian boy. So, but my message is, I think um, throughout this hour, I shared a lot of stories, but a lot of our people and you yourself too have your own stories. And all these stories is basically stories of love and appreciation. And so... I think it's good for us to reflect on those stories and take care of our ohana, take care of our community. So wherever you are, if you're in Hawaii or if you're on the mainland or in Japan like I am, just remember those stories, hold them near to your heart and spread aloha is my message. There you go. Wonderful mm-hmm. way to close us out. Spread the aloha. Well, I yes. want to aloha you and say thank you. Mahalo, mahalo, mahalo for just taking time out to share with us. And, you know, I am so grateful and I'm convinced that I know you are a great um, recipient and you're going to represent, you do represent Hawaii the best that you can with that aloha spirit. So mahalo for sharing, sharing with your, with your hamana and sharing with us, you know, culture. So mahalo. Wow, gang, I hope you guys found as much value in that session as I did. A Kanaka living in Japan and perpetuating our culture. Wow, my kai. All right, time to wrap this session up. But before you go, please make sure you rate my podcast. Two stars, four stars, five stars, whatever you think. But I would really appreciate it if you guys did. And also leave me a comment. Let me know if you know anyone that you think I should be interviewing just leave me a comment or you can go to my social media page Facebook TikTok Instagram just leave me a comment there at Hawaii Abroad all right everyone this is Auntie Max signing out for now aloha